Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. I'm David Knowles. And this is Ukraine, the latest. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. This hideous and barbaric venture of Vladimir Putin must end in failure. Nobody's going to break us. We're strong. We're Ukrainians. Before the 24th of February, the town of Bucha was known as an attractive suburb northwest of Kiev. During the early part of the invasion, it was the scene of heavy fighting as Ukrainian and Russian forces battled for control. For weeks, the town was under Russian occupation and, soon after they were pushed back by the Ukrainian army, horrendous stories of murder, rape and torture emerged from civilians who had stayed in the town. Katya stayed in Bucha. She survived. Many of the people she met didn't. Here's her story. Well, Katya, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you very much for talking to us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Like what I can tell about myself. I'm originally from Horlivka. It's uh, east of Ukraine. It's like Donbass region. I was living there for 18 years. Uh, just studied at school. I used to go to dancing. Like just a regular, a regular, normal, original girl, <laughs> like from Ukraine. Um, and um, like, like each of us, I don't know nothing special. And um, I always wanted to work for Ukraine, like to do something really important, maybe to go and be a politician, a big one to make changes in this world, and uh, maybe to sit in the United Nations. <laughs> and I, I wanted to move to Kiev, actually, because, um, yeah, I wanted to go to the capital. And I just knew that I can get some really nice education there to meet some interesting people. Like, you know, this just normal, regular stuff in you from a small town, like, and you want to go somewhere else. But I um, I had a big dream kind of that I will get some education there and I'll get some level and then I will go back to Gorlivka and will try to make changes there because I just saw how things were made in Kyiv. And I truly believe that I can bring this knowledge and this experience uh, into our like local culture and initiatives. Yes, but then, um, 
my, it was Maidan, um, the revolution of dignity, and uh, Russia occupied uh, territories in like Crimea and my own town. So I wasn't able to go back there. I, I really supported like this uh, protest during Maidan. Uh, I, I was I was there. I was there like um, almost every day. Yeah, <laughs> and I really enjoyed how it was like with these people who want to make some changes in the country, etc., etc. So yeah, and uh, that's why because of my pro-Ukrainian position, uh, I was even in the lists of that um, uh, people who occupied our territories. So. Yeah, and I was informed that uh, I, it's better for me not to go there because I'm on the list and like everyone can understand what it, like how it can turn to me in the future. What, what, very quickly, what would that mean if you were on the list? If you went back, what, what would have happened? It means that uh, like they knew about my pro-Ukrainian position, about my activities, because we were organizing some um, information protests, like we're posting news about that Horlivka is Ukraine, that we want to be a part of Ukraine, and, and so on, so on. And um, they just knew that we are so super active in this position, and they didn't want to see these people on like on that lens anymore after after they occupied them. So, yeah, it, it was super risky to go there. And um, yeah, then my family also moved uh, to, to Bucha, which is nearby Kyiv. It's uh, northwest from Kyiv. Uh, that was, um, I kind of say good, but uh, better for us. So when everything started in Crimea, uh, we just felt that we will be the next ones because Russia always had this like wishes about Donbass. So we started uh, with my dad, we started to looking for a new apartment, for a new place uh, to live for us. So we had this time, we had enough money to buy a new apartment in Bucha. Yeah, and then you just we just moved and you're trying to... To continue your life and um, from from that moment i started my like mini career in theater uh, and then i just worked for three years as a radio producer on radio aristocrats so you're from the east moved moved to kiev moved to butcher eventually um tell us about the start of the war what what happened and how did you react um it's um you know the one evening before i was super happy because i was um in the process of interviews so i the next day the 24th of february i had to sign my offer to a new job uh, and i just moved to a new apartment and i that was a situation when i kind of tried to uh, restart my life from the very new page something like that of course we we heard some news we followed them and that's why i had my backpack prepared in advance just in case and um, so also we had a family meeting with our parents and my sister months before months before the 24th so we discussed what we would do if something happened and uh, we decided that we have to be together so we have to go to butcher in case if the internet connection or mobile connection will be cut and then just 24th of february i woke up uh, because my sister was ringing the doorbell and uh, i just uh, opened my eyes i took my phone i saw like 17 missed calls and i just didn't hear it was six or like half past six in the morning i don't remember and i just uh, heard her screaming uh from the door that kate everything is started and i just understand everything so i just took my backpack put my first things that i found and we just ran to the railway station trying to to reach Bucha in any possible way because it was already super hard to get there like it was a huge traffic all around the city and outside the city 
because usually it takes like 30 minutes to go from from keep to butcher but that day it it could take like two or three hours even yeah so we went there and then we we met, we met our parents in butcher and um, then everything started there so you you go back to butcher you, your your family is together again um what did you do then this this is around the time you find the shelter and this is the the diary the 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 very eloquent and very moving a diary of your your life in that shelter that you've written um tell us about how that started um what were the first few days with your family in butcher like like just uh, um after one hour i guess we saw these helicopters and this uh, this smoke over the um airport like in Hostomel and uh, it was like really it, it's it's not super close to our apartment but we still could see it from our window and this uh, uh, fighters were flying over our building so we just understood that we need to go somewhere we cannot stay in apartment anymore and we we, uh, we live on the like the fourth floor so it, it was dangerous and um you know, it was super stressful because you cannot understand what's going on and you cannot understand what is better trying to go uh, escape from the city exactly that moment because it's a huge traffic. Like you can just see the cars which are staying on the road and they almost doesn't move. So our dad told us that it's better to stay in a town. Maybe it's not safe there. Uh, but I was like super serious about all the situation so i told them that now we have to go and find a shelter we can stay in an apartment so we we spent like one hour maybe with my dad so we're just riding around the town and searching for any possible shelters yeah but the, the challenge already started in the town by that time so we tried to be super fast and we just uh, found that one where we then then stay there um i kind of said that it was a shelter it was just a regular basement because we, we don't have this like special shelters and it was like 15 minutes by walk from our house and uh, approximately seven minutes by car so we just entered the shelter uh, with uh, with my family and yeah we packed th- things of course i told to my parents that we need to pack everything we, c- we, we could need there like flashlights i don't know knives uh, clothes and we just went there and uh, we stayed there almost uh because my, my dad uh, some nights he then he spent in an apartment he didn't want to to stay there he felt super stressed and it was super like so su- super painful for him because it already happened he, he we already had to, to to escape once so we left our apartment in Horlivka and we just uh, restarted our new life uh, in Bucha and he didn't want to to leave that place and in the shelter um the war is going on all around you at this point. What, what can you hear? What's the atmosphere like? Can you can you hear the shells going off overhead? Yes, yes. Uh, we, we could hear all of that, but it was uh, super hard to understand what's actually going on because it was super loud and uh, you, you really don't want to go outside or you don't really want even to go to the first floor or something, just sit in the basement. And um, sometimes we went out like to, to the first floor, but then other guys started to scream something like, oh, they started the shellings and so everyone had to go back downstairs. It was loud almost every time. And um, I think that we had like maybe a couple of hours of silence each day, but not not more. Like it's always you can hear something, and uh, sometimes it's closer, sometimes it's some like more far away, and it's sometimes it's super loud, sometimes it's just dumb. But you you don't want to take a risk because we had some situations when, for example, we just wanted to go out and like have a break and to smoke, for example, and you just went out 
and the shelling started to be louder and closer. So everyone just ran back. So we just stayed there. And uh, the atmosphere was, was different. Yeah, because lots of children, uh, old people, cats, dogs, and uh, someone was crying, someone was in panic, someone was joking and trying to calm down everyone. And um, of course, uh, during this, the most horrific hours, everyone was praying. I mean, I'm not sure if everyone who was uh, really believe in God, you know, some kind of powers, I don't know, but everyone was, yeah, everyone was praying because it was super scary. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the people in there? Who you, you spent a lot of time with these people now. Um, what were their stories? How, did did you talk much? Did you help each other? And how did you do that? Uh, they helped uh, each other a lot. Uh, like of course, for the first days, you are just super suspicious. You are not communicating too much with anyone. But then uh, somehow you have to communicate to have some emotional support or to to get any other help. Someone had, for example, medicines that you need, or some someone had more food, and and that's it. They were like different people. Uh, the the girl who just slept nearby to us, she was alone, and for example, she used to work as a how to say she, she worked in the kindergarten, and uh, other family, for example, it was a, a woman who worked in a shop and. Uh, she had six or seven children with her or something like that different ages and we helped each other like we gathered together when we had to cook some food uh, after russians bombed the supermarket the novos so um the mayor gave gave us a permission so everyone could go just and uh, took everything we needed to because no one knows how much time we we should spend there like maybe two weeks or maybe one month or something so we just grabbed all the food from the supermarket just to have it. So everyone then tried to be together to cook all of this. The one story that I didn't wrote about in my diary, which I published, because we met a, a guy in a shelter. He was, I think he was 50 years old. He was a bit like messed up. I think that he had some kind of mental mental issue. And no one really wanted to communicate with him because somehow he looked like a homeless guy. But then uh, my mom was always asking him if he needs something, if he wants some more food or something like that. And we just started to communicate with him. And we found out that he is from Hostomel and that he went and he came to the shelter by foot from Hostomel. And um, he, he was always worrying about his relatives who, who stayed there in Hostomel. And we tried to call to administration or something just to get any information about his relatives. But... It didn't work, of course, because there there wasn't any connection with Gostomo or other cities. Uh, so we tried to be together, and then we found the new clothes for him. And uh, sometimes he asks us, "Just can you just sit, please, just near nearby, and just can we have a conversation about something?" And I really wanted to help him. And uh, when we escaped with my sister, I was always thinking about him, like because we didn't have any even time to to say goodbye to everyone. We just packed and we just ran away. And uh, I, I was worried about him. But then after Bucha was already like there occupied when it was free, uh, we just uh, found out that uh, one of his relatives, she was looking for him and she found him in, in the shelter. So they met and this is a sort of with a happy end. And um, That's a very happy ending, yeah. Can I ask, 
you mentioned in the shelter there are lots of children. How how did they react to to the confinement, and how did you, as a community, sort of help them? Of course, they were the first one who get any food. Like even sometimes uh, we even had this possibility to 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 eat some candies or something from the store when someone took some. I think that they didn't understand what's going on. And they were playing. They were playing. I remember that uh, their parents they tried to explain them, yeah, in a game, in, in the way of the game. For example, that yeah, we have to hide now. We have to go to the basement because it is a monster. So we have to do so. Of course, some of them understood what's going on. But if we are talking about children who are like three, four years old, or five years old, sometimes um, it, it it was super hard to explain to them and not to scare them too much so it was just kind of a game they had uh, these albums where they were drawing these pictures to distract themselves they were playing the games and they there were some little like little children uh, just babies of course they were crying at night and it was super scary situation because for example everyone knows that we have to be super silent of course we turned uh, on the lights just in case, even if we were in the basement, we turned off the lights because there are some, you know, these points, like, uh, how to say, this hole, so you can uh, get the fresh air from the outside, yeah. So um, even at night, so no one could, could even see that someone is there uh, downstairs, and everyone had to be super silent, and they started to cry at night, and everyone super was super stressed about it, that please come down the children, because we can all die, because they are screaming, and we have to be silent. It just, like, communicate in, in a normal way. Sometimes they played games with us, but I cannot say that we were super like sociable at times because for the first days you you have this energy because of the adrenaline, uh, but after a couple of days you feel just super frustrated. You don't want to talk to anyone. You just, okay, I'm talking about myself. I didn't, it was super hard for me to communicate even with my mom and sister. And oh, yeah, I was going to ask, so the rest of your family, how, how did they deal with this? And then a connected question. I understand from your diary, and you can hear me just opening it, that you're, you, you didn't bring your, your cat into the shelter. No, no, we didn't bring it. Can you tell us how, how did you keep, keep her safe? <laughs> what happened there? Yeah, we decided to, that it would be better for her to stay, to stay at home because she's super shy and she's afraid of everything and even when like during the normal times my friends came to our apartment she was hiding under their bath uh, so she really afraid of people so we decided to leave her there because it, it could be a huge stress for her to be in the shelter with uh, lots of people with dogs and cats and stuff and um mm, the first night our dad was with us in a shelter but then he decided to go and to stay in the apartment because he also wanted to be with our cat so don't, don't not to leave her alone and it was just more convenient for him. He didn't want to sleep in the basement. On the second day, I had this possibility to go to the shop. It was the only one uh, which still worked. Uh, so the first thing we had to buy it was uh, the food for our cats. <laughs> and uh, of course, yeah, the situation when that called us and told that our cats out of the litter. So we need to buy some sand for her toilet. <laughs> It's like now it sounds super like what it's super dangerous outside and we are just running around to the shop just to ha just to buy some sand to fill the toilet of our cats like 
you know people go crazy in this situation you know, just do some crazy stuff yeah and uh, like about my 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 family my my mom that they were under stress and uh, we always were speaking about like maybe we can try to escape maybe we can try to evacuate but we we heard these rumors and understood from all the passes they were already blocked the 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 one way to keep like the the bridge was bumped like in purpose not to to let their forces to go to to Kiev. All exits from the town were just blocked, so we couldn't do that. So, yeah. The world obviously got to know the name of Butcher um, from the early fighting, and then the massacres and the 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 war crimes that were committed there. You were in the basement how, how much of this did you hear is it were these part of the rooms that reached you every night because you were incredibly close to it i mean i'm curious as to how much you knew i can't say that we knew too much like we almost didn't have any official information of course but for the first days it, it was like heavy heavy shelling you could hear it so then they changed to this automatical um, shots you can just hear that it's not tanks, it's not artillery, it's just uh, something yeah, that you can carry in your hands. And um, we, we had this um, Terrobrona, we call it, these groups of people, of guys who tried to, to stay together. So they had some weapons and they were like searching around and trying to understand what is the situation around the town. And then if they had any possibility, they provided us with the information. They went just to the shelter and told the people what's going on. This way, we just realized that something is going on, like that, that it's super dangerous to go outside. And they told us that you cannot go outside and please don't leave the shelter, don't go far away. And of course, we could hear this, again, this automat. And uh, it was prohibited to go to the toilet. The toilet was on the first floor. So everyone just told us, so please, they're super close. Uh, and we had windows on the first floor. So don't go close to the windows try to stay in the basement because they're somewhere nearby and you can hear it just just stay there and uh, another um, source of information was when we still had this mobile connection and internet connection of course we were already uh, chatting with our friends uh, all around and uh, my sister with her classmates because she finished uh, school in Bucha so she had more friends from Bucha than me because I was living in Kyiv before yeah they told her the stories like that for example someone just told her that we were riding the car and they started to shell on in the car and they just let us go but then for example it was a situation when the car just rides and then you, they stop you and then they are pretending that they are letting you go but then they start to shoot from the back of the car and uh, some uh, like friend of my sister like uh, she was driving a car without even like this without wheels like how to say like she um, uh, not the wheels but this um oh tires yeah maybe maybe yeah so it was it was all around uh just, just private messages chats and uh, someone saw something from their windows for example sometimes our father told us that i can see them the russians like were opening the houses and apartments they changed the clothes so that was why why it was super dangerous even like um, sorry very quickly when you say they changed their clothes so are you saying that they saw russian soldiers not not in not in military uniform but wearing something else or they're changing yeah they, um, for the, firstly they were of course in the uniform but then uh, that was a suggestion when they were just opened the random apartments and houses like invited them 
and uh, they they stole a lot of things you know the story they stole everything they ruined uh, the furniture and stuff and they just tried to find any other clothes and just to change to pretend that they are locals to understand the situation in the town what is happening all around and uh once uh, we managed to run to go to go home just to take a shower because it was already like three days without shower or something like that and when we were on our way on our way back to the shelter it was super scary because we were just we we're trying to run and uh, looking around what's going on and we saw just random guys and we don't know if they are ours or not ours because they're just in the civilians clothes not in the uniform and this they started to run in our direction and of course we were super scared so we had to climb over the fence just to make this distance between us bigger and we ran, ran to the shelter and didn't want to go out again you never know how long in total did you spend in th- in that shelter nine nine days i guess yeah it was nine, the, the ninth day was the day of our evacuation i guess yeah from let's let's talk about the evacuation then you, you got out um how did that happen um we just uh, uh, saw the news that one day it was an evacuation train from Irpin, which is uh, it's a closest city to Bucha. And um, we started to think about it. So maybe we should try to do it tomorrow if, the, if there will be any evacuation again. Still, it was super scary. I, I can't even explain how. Because you, when you're in a shelter, you have somehow this feeling that you are like, I'm in the house, I'm protected. Uh, but uh, when you think about evacuation and going out from the shelter, you don't know the roads, you don't know the situation all around you, what if connection will be lost or something like that. And if the evacuation itself will be successful, because we heard a lot of stories where the Russians started just to shoot people during the evacuation, even. But then... Um, the next day, when we found out that it will be the next evacuation from Irpin, we decided to try. We decided to take this chance because, of course, yeah, it's it's super scary, but it's better to be shooted than to be raped by by occupier. It's it's true. It took near like 25, 30 minutes by car, I guess, to go from Bucha to Irpin. <clears throat> First thing we we were thinking to go by walk, yeah, but our dad told us that no, I I wanna drive. I wanna give you a ride. Uh, so we arrived to the European railway station with my sister. Uh, Mom stayed in the shelter. Um, of course, my dad couldn't use it because he's a man. So it was possible only for, for women and for children. And we are staying on the platform for almost three hours because uh, it, the train was delayed. There were a lot of people. And uh, at this time, the shelling of European also has started by, by that time. And it was um, it was terrifying just to stay on the open space without any cover over your head when you hear all these explosions, and we just yeah praying and hoping that it will come, and uh, then finally it 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 was there. And uh, during the time, uh, the guys from the Red Cross and our soldiers they were like kind of defending us. They were all around us. They tried to calm us down and saying that everything is gonna be okay. Please just wait, be patient. Everything will be nice. We just found out that at the same time when we were on our way from Bucha to Urpin by car, our dad just decided to to pick, to choose the, another direction. It was like, there are two roads to Irpin from Bucha, like two or three of them. The one is the main one. Like it's just the, the easiest one to get. 
but m my dad, I don't know why, he just randomly decided to go uh, to another like direction. He chose he chose another way, and then we just found out that on the first one, the first row that we didn't choose, um, exactly that time the execution of people were happened. Like exactly that time when we were driving the car from from our show to to Irpin. So it was just a question of of luckiness. I've just got one more question about two more questions about the shelter. One is, can you tell us about Vlad? Um, you describe him as your, your shelter hero. Who who was he? What did he do? Uh, I, I cannot say that I really know him good. I mean, his personality and stuff. Uh, they were just our friends, he, his wife and uh, her mom. Uh, they were our shelter friends because we played cards together. They helped us with some hot water and they lived closer to the shelter than we are. So they had this possibility sometimes to rent to, to their home, to charge some phones or charge power bands can help us. And uh, we, we just accidentally started to provide a lot of time together. And um, he was super responsible. When everyone was under the panic, he was uh, almost the only one who tried to calm us down and explain us the situation. Of course, he didn't know lots of things. He just tried to calm everyone down. But sometimes he... He went out of the of the shelter and he was like walking around and uh, tried to get any information. He was helping a lot to children and he always was the first one who wanted to help. And everyone was asking him if something is going on. Everyone was, hey Vlad, what's going on? Hey Vlad, uh, when will we win? Uh, when will be our victory? And and that's it. And uh, <laughs> he was so patient and he tried to answer all the questions even if he didn't know any answers. Yeah, and then just uh, the day we uh, we escaped from my sister, the next day he he went out to go to, to Stikolka. Uh, it's uh, it's a district in Bucha to help some people. I don't know this like what was uh, the main purpose of that, but he wanted to help someone, and then he just disappeared. And uh, my mom didn't want to tell us uh, for a while, but then just uh, just told us that uh, he was missing for more than one month. And, and then, yeah, just his body was uh, identified when it's a super sad situation. It's, uh, we, we, we didn't want to believe. We also tried to help to find him. We were publishing his pictures in the chats and social media. Maybe someone saw him. We had this hope that maybe he was too, he was taken as a hostage. Or, but unfortunately, like lots of, lots of good people died there at times. Just got two more questions for you. Thank you so much for your time. You end your, your diary um, talking about a bottle of beer which you're going to take back to <laughs> to Butcher and open uh, when victory comes. Um, can you tell us about this beer? Where did you get it and what's the symbolism for you? <laughs> I don't know. It was just um, when you're in a super stressful situation and you almost don't have any reasons to smile, and when you're like super, you're under panic, really. It was um, a situation when I was just staying at the railway station in Irpin and I was shaking and I was uh, trying to to attract attention from my sister, Natasha, please help me. And she was irritated, I was like, Kate, please leave me alone. I, I just, I, I need some, you know, every everyone uh, faces the stress in a different ways. So I was super, uh, and my sister was super calm. Uh, and, and then I just realized that I need some water. I need some water because I feel super bad. And I asked her, Natasha, Natasha, please, maybe maybe we have any water with us. And she told me like, no, 
And that was just, it came to my mind that, oh my gosh, we don't have a water, but we have a bottle of beer. <laughs> That's, so that was a moment uh, which made me smile. So uh, then we decided that we'll open this bottle of beer, which we left for a rainy day. Like how it's, how it's even possible to think about rainy days when you are already in the middle of the hell, I don't know. But still we had these things, thoughts in our, in our head that uh, it, it, it can be even worse. So we decided that we can open it when we'll be safe uh, in the west of Ukraine. But then we decided that we'll open it in Poland. And then we decided, no, we have to go to the exactly the same place, uh, to the shelter, and then we can open it there. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I just forgot about it that I had I had, I had this bottle of beer in, in my backpack. What kind of beer is it? Oh, I don't remember the name. Cor, Cors, Cors. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's just not some some usual one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, finally, I mean, let's catch you up. Where, where where are you? Where are you now? Where are the rest of your family? You're you're out. You're you're in Warsaw. Um, what's could you tell us your story up up to the present? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, now I'm in Warsaw for almost four months, I guess. Some, so, yeah, something like that. And um, yeah, I signed that offer from that company, and I'm super happy about it. And for that, they really cared about me and about all their um, all the other team members they had. Uh, yeah, I just received that offer when I was already in Warsaw and uh, I found out that the company opens, uh, like, you rent an office uh, in Warsaw. So I decided uh, that I w I'm going to stay in Warsaw because I need to work from office. I cannot work remotely. It, uh, it makes me feel bad. And um, yeah, now I'm a, like, um, I'm, I'm a part of a global attack startup with Ukrainian Roads Headway. And I'm super glad that I can work for ukrainian company because i still can pay taxes to ukraine and we we're trying to donate as much money as we can and the uh, company hires new and new people more ukrainians and we also trying just to to do everything we can to describe the situation in ukraine because our audience is uh, foreigners from from different countries like in this way i'm glad and i have nothing to complain about because it's uh, you know the first thing each ukrainian want to do abroad is to find a job really like because we don't want just to be paid from the government or something we want to work we want to earn money so we can donate this money to help our ukrainian army to to help other institutions and so on uh, my parents came back to bucha they returned to bucha they are trying to continue their life as they can of course it's there are no safe space in ukraine now but you cannot just make your life like to, to turn it on pause or something like that. You just need to do something, not to go crazy. And uh, my sister also, it was super hard uh, for her to be here. So she wanted to go back to Kiev. So she went and uh, um, she studies medicines and uh, she, she hopes that she maybe one day she can help others. Of course, I also want to go back to Kiev so bad, but I, I'm just afraid of the situation that I will need to leave it one more time, to escape it one more time. So I just need more time. And that's why I'm just staying here. Yeah, and thanks to my local Polish friends who helped me. And thanks to everyone who helped me. And um, yeah, thanks for, for reaching me out. And uh, this, this, all this uh, diary story, this was the thing that helped me not to go mad uh, during these days in the shelter because 
um, you're just trying to imagine that it's not for real, that you are just a hero, some story or some novel, and you just describe the things. And because it's it's really hard to understand that it's it's going on, people are dying, and someone just thinks that they can kill you, and they have a right for it. And yeah, then I just wanted to share it to explain people uh, from abroad that we are just a normal, regular people. We are not statistic. We are life. We had our own lives. We just we are not Nazis. We are not like we we just normal people, and we love our country and wanted it to be independent and uh, cool and like as any other citizens want to. Katya, is there anything we haven't spoken about? Anything? That I haven't asked you that you you want to say or you think our, our listeners should should know. Oh, uh, I think that um, I I just all all I can say now is just asking for more help to Ukraine. Yes, uh, for everyone who listen this, please check check the information you you get and uh, try to not to believe the Russian propaganda. Try to check to 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 make this fact checking of everything. I was super offended with this news about that it was. It wasn't real, like, you know, what happened to Bucha. Because when I read these comments about, oh, it was just uh, like there were some actors and stuff. It's like you were telling me this, like when we were there. And it's um, it's a scary, terrifying thing. We have to check the information. And huge thanks to our defenders and to our armed forces. They are just incredible guys and girls. Yeah, Just share information, try to help Ukraine. And don't believe Russian propaganda. Ukraine will win. Ukraine The Latest is an original podcast from The Telegraph. To stay on top of all of our Ukraine news, analysis and dispatches from the ground, subscribe to The Telegraph. You can get your first 30 days completely free at telegraph.co.uk forward slash audio. You can listen to this conversation live at 1pm each weekday on Twitter Spaces. Follow The Telegraph on Twitter so you don't miss it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider following Ukraine The Latest on your preferred podcast app and leave a review as it helps others find the show. You can also get in touch directly with us by emailing podcasts at telegraph.co.uk. We do read every message. Ukraine The Latest is produced by Louisa Wells and Giles Gear. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. 
a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> but you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.